Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to contemplating how God's preached Word impacts every moment of our lives. This sermon was preached at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska by Pastor Tim Barone. Grace and peace to each of you in the name of Jesus, who makes the unclean clean. Amen. Uh, So like Pastor John mentioned, we've been walking through this uh, gospel in Mark, and I encourage you to open up to Mark chapter 7, page 843 in the Pew Bibles. Uh, But Mark chapter 7 has been dealing with this theme of clean and unclean. And so uh, two weeks ago, we saw Jesus talking about uh, the ceremonial washings. And so the, the Jews were arguing with the disciples, saying, why don't you guys wash your hands in the right manner? And Jesus responds by saying, actually, hand washing doesn't make anyone clean uh, or unclean, but rather, negating God's Word uh, makes people unclean. Uh, Just after this, he calls a crowd to himself, and he takes to task this idea that eating certain foods makes you unclean. Uh, And he says, rather, uh, what makes you unclean is those evil thoughts that come from the human heart. And so just with these words, he recategorizes uh, what is clean and what is unclean, right? It is clean to honor God's word. It is unclean to ignore it. Uh, It is clean uh, to have a a pure heart, and a defiled heart is where evil comes out of. And so this is what Jesus has been teaching, and now we see him go into this pagan territory, Tyre and Sidon. And he encounters a real-life person who would be unclean. And we're going to see what he does with his own teaching as he encounters this person. So let's look together in verse 24. We'll read the first section. Uh, And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately... A woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. So right off the bat, we see this kind of three different levels of unclean happening. So first of all, Tyre and Sidon is not the place you go for vacation if you're a Jewish person. So it's kind of a shocker that Jesus would even go up that way. Uh, Tyre and Sidon, this is Syria, right? This is the place where in the Old Testament, Jezebel came from. Uh, The wicked queen, Jezebel, who put to death by the sword uh, all the prophets of Yahweh, all the priests of Yahweh. She killed them all and she instated worship to Baal. And so this was Elijah's great uh, foe and spiritual foe at that time. So Tyre and Sidon is known to be an unclean place. It's the place where the pagans do their rituals. It's where they uh, do their sacrifice system. It's where they sacrifice children, possibly, in that area. Or it's where they do their fertility rituals. It's an unclean place. And so it's not okay for Jewish people to go there in, in most cases. So it's striking that Jesus goes there intentionally. Uh, second, we have a pagan woman coming into, uninvited, coming into the house. And so this would be an unclean person. She's not of the Jewish people. 
who knows where she's come from, who knows what she believes, uh, and yet she intrudes into Jesus's getaway time and falls down at his feet. And he, she begs him to cast a demon out of her daughter, an unclean spirit, uh, the scriptures say. And so here we have the uncleanness of the demonic. We have uh, those spiritual forces opposed to God uh, being presented. So you have unclean place, unclean person, and an unclean spirit. So the question is, what is Jesus going to do with this person? Well, uh, just to alert you, if you were to flip back to Mark chapter 1, you would see that this event is strikingly parallel to what Jesus does in the first chapter of Mark. In the first chapter of Mark, Jesus goes to Capernaum, which is a Jewish area, and he does the exact same things. He casts out demons and he heals the sick. But here we have an exact parallel. Jesus first went to the Jewish people. He healed them. He cast out demons and he preached the gospel. And now we see an exact parallel. Jesus is going to the Gentiles. He's going to those people who were not the chosen ones of God. So what we see here is Mark is presenting Jesus' behavior toward both groups, both the clean group and the unclean group. Jesus' actions are the same. And in fact, his teaching about wickedness coming from the heart, it levels all people, doesn't it? All people have this uncleanness. It doesn't matter if you're Gentile or if you're Jew. If you know the law or if you don't know the law, the, re- the diagnosis is the same. Like all have fallen short of the glory of God and are in need of redemption. And so Jesus is breaking all these rules and he's enacting this gospel that is coming not only for the Jewish people, but for all people who are enslaved to sin. Uh, And so this is where this woman comes into. And so what we see, this woman comes and she falls before Jesus and this, this interaction is fascinating. Let's look at it in verse 27. Uh, Jesus says to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. It's fascinating that Jesus here seems to be teasing her a little bit, or at least giving her a bit of a stiff arm. Right? She's coming in desperation for help, and he says, yeah, it's not really for you. So for some reason, Jesus kind of falls into the assumption that I'm, I'm just here for the Jewish people, but it's like she doesn't fall for it. She's like, Jesus, I, what are you talking about, Jesus? She just continues to press on. She gladly accepts the characterization as a dog, like a, a, a dog, a puppy, and she says this, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. So she's like, if I'm going to be a dog, at least let me be a beloved pet that eats the crumbs from under the table. Many of us have bought dogs for this very reason, right? To eat the crumbs under the table. But she says, yeah, fine. Jesus, if I got to be a dog, I'll, I'll I'll be the family dog. At least let me eat under your table. And so she has this great humility and persistence. And Jesus turns to her and marvels at her faith. He says, for this statement, you may go on your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home 
and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Now, I want to do uh, two things uh, with this text, with the time that we have. And the first is to look at Jesus' mission and to see his mission to all people. We see Jesus is going to all people. And this woman, we don't know how she knows this or how she's so familiar or where she got this faith to pursue Jesus, but she knows something that is kind of a hidden secret about the Jewish people, a secret that they themselves often forget, and we as the church might forget occasionally too. And that is that the mission of God has always been for the sake of all nations and all people, all tribes, all tongues, every person, every place, everyone under the curse of Adam and Eve and sin, the ministry of Jesus is for all of those people. And it was always the case. Um, When God called Abram in the Old Testament in Genesis, and he told Abram he was going to make him into a great nation with his descendants numbering as much as the stars in the skies and the sands on the seashore, was Abram uh, anything particularly important or special? No, he's just some guy. In fact, Abram likely was a pagan. He likely worshipped the moon god in in the area of Ur. And so there is nothing intrinsically worthy about Abram, and yet God came and chose him to be a great nation. He prophesied, God told Abram that one of his descendants would come and his descendants would bless all the nations of the world, all the families of the earth would be a blessing that came through him. And we know that is Jesus. But from the beginning, the the whole Jewish story was all about salvation for all people. In fact, they were always to be a people that welcomed outsiders and did not abuse the foreigners and welcomed them into their community as long as they would also follow the words of God. And so this woman knows this truth. And so she she pushes past all the social awkwardness. Can you imagine uh, going into a house that you're uninvited to and falling down at someone's feet? Could you also imagine if you you had a different culture, how awkward that would be? But she pushes through all of that and even pushes through Jesus' initial teasing or blocking of her request to say, Jesus, I know who you are. I know you're the Messiah. I know your mission is not only for the Jewish people, but for all the world. And I know you can make my daughter clean. And he does. Jesus is here to make the unclean clean. He says he didn't come for the, the, the people who are healthy, but for those who are sick. And so this means that there is no one out of bounds or unclean that Jesus cannot get to, that he's not willing to go towards. That's good news. That means if any of us, right, are uh, from a broken family, that's just ugly. It's just continual conflict. Uh, It's pain. It's sorrow. It's dysfunction. Jesus is not afraid of that uncleanliness. If any of us are addicted have been addicted to alcohol, have been addicted to pornography, or have even been addicted to worshiping yourself on Instagram, 
You are not too unclean that Jesus cannot come to you and make you clean. If there's anyone who is unclean, who is broken, this statement of Jesus, this action of Jesus going into the heart of uncleanliness in this culture and talking to this woman who is unclean and healing with one word the unclean, uncleanliness of her daughter, Jesus is proclaiming to all of us, to all the world, that there is no one who is off limits. And this is good news for each one of us. As Jesus has already pointed out that we are all unclean because of what is coming out of our hearts. And this is what the cross is all about, right? In the cross, Jesus takes our uncleanliness upon himself. That's why he had to die. That's why he came. Because none of us have the capacity to escape this uncleanliness. But Jesus comes and he takes that uncleanliness upon himself takes it to the cross, dies for it, bleeds for the sake of the world. Instead, he gives to us his cleanliness so that we are no longer an outsider, an outcast, a foreigner, but you're an insider in the kingdom of God, no longer held away from the holy things of God, but included because of this cleansing. So the first thing we should really soak in is this reality that Jesus has come for all people and there's no one that you know, including yourself, that Jesus is not willing to cleanse. Uh, The second thing is I want to take a look at this woman's faith and use it as a template for our own prayers in this life. Um, It's interesting that Jesus appears to push her away at the beginning, doesn't he? Now, have you ever been praying and you feel like God is pushing you away or God is not listening to your prayers, not answering your prayers? You feel like that was a waste of my time. It kind of seems like this is what's being showcased here. Uh, Martin Luther, in commenting on this, he said that sometimes God can be like this. He can kind of be like a a father uh, teasing his daughter with an apple. That he'll hold it up for her to grab and then take it away right when she wants it. And then maybe hold it just above her reach and make her jump and then pick it up again. And he'll do this until uh, the daughter gets a little bit upset, a little bit angry. Until the daughter looks him in the eyes and remembers his love for her. And then he'll gladly give it to her. And I think this is a useful thought. Uh, in our prayer life. As we come to our God, uh, I want you to see this woman's faith and imitate it. What, what's particularly important about her faith? Her desperation, first of all. When you approach God in prayer, are you desperate for his attention? Do you recognize your great need, or is it kind of like, well, I'll roll the dice and see if this works? Maybe God will answer me, maybe he won't. This woman had a demon in her life. She had an evil force that she could not deal with, and she knew it. Uh, We in the West, we don't really talk about this very much. We kind of have expelled demons from our imagination. Uh, But I like to bring this up occasionally to remind us that we're not immune to these things. 
Uh, in Madagascar, um, we're partners with a church uh, there in Madagascar, and there's, it's a large church. It's been growing by leaps and bounds, and one of the ways it's been growing is through exorcism. And the church there will have these huge outdoor gatherings, and people will come to see what's going on, and many of them will be demon-possessed. And many of the clergy are trained to go and pray around these people, and demons are released. And a man wrote a book about this uh, called uh, Not Afraid recently, where he cataloged all of these things going on. Now, here's a question. Do you think demons like it in Madagascar more because it doesn't get as cold there in the winter as it does in Nebraska? No, of course not. We just, we're weak and vulnerable because we don't think about these things and because we don't pray about these things. But the demonic is a reality in this world, and even when we baptize in our church, Luther said, we're hanging a lifelong enemy around this child's neck or whoever's being baptized because Satan would like nothing more than to take down the the people of God who bear the promise. And so there are forces in, in your life that we cannot contend with on our own. The demonic, uh, the sin that we have coming out of our hearts, the reality of death. And if we come to terms with the reality of these things, it will make us desperate like this woman. Uh, Jesus is not a genie to give you just whatever you want, but rather he's the one to heal these great wounds that we have. He's the rescuer. He's the savior. And so when you approach your God in prayer, do you approach him like that? You approach him in desperation. Lord, you're not just an answer for me. You're the answer for me. Lord, apart from you, I die. Apart from you, I'm overrun. Apart from you, I'm vulnerable and in danger. It's that desperation that we see in this woman that makes her push through all these boundaries. She's like, Lord, to whom shall I go? No one else can cure my daughter. Uh, Second, uh, when we see Jesus, we see this, this intense trust in his words and in his truth. Um, this woman knew who Jesus was and she pressed through any resistance. It reminds me of in Genesis when Jacob was wrestling with the angel uh, before his name was Israel. He wrestled with an angel and uh, the angel eventually touched his hip and dislocated his hip but then also named him Israel, said, your, your name shall be Israel, for you wrestled with God as well as man, and you have prevailed. Um, but there's this strange image of wrestling with this angel, and Jacob says something interesting. He says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. He had this, this desperation and this, this trust that this person is someone I need, and I'm not letting go until I'm blessed. I see the same kind of wrestling that this woman has with Jesus. Jesus kind of pushes her away. And she says, look, Jesus, I know who you are. I know you're the Messiah. I know your love. I know you're from God. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And that's what I want for us in prayer. When we come to God, we come in desperation, realizing our great need for him, and we also come in faith. Jesus, we know who you are. We know you're the Son of God. We know your mission is for all people. 
We know you've come down to take away the sins of all the unclean people, including me. We know your love. We've seen it in the cross. And so we're not going to let go until you bless us. We're not going to let go until we look in your eyes and we remember who you are and we hold on until we're blessed both now and forever. May we look to this and find comfort in Jesus' mission towards us and all people and also find a way to pray again in passion and in desperation and in faith that Jesus will lift us up. And it's in his name. Amen.